It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. It's seven minutes past seven o'clock on a Saturday morning. This is Lawn and Garden. I'm Walter Reeves, the Georgia Gardener, here to help you be more successful however you want to do it and bring a little happiness into your life as well. I'm happy this Saturday morning. There's nothing particularly worrying me right now, but you may have worries about your landscape, you're worried about your trees, worry about your lawn, worry about your flowers. And if you have a question about them, all you have to do is dial 404-872-0750. In the next hour, we'll talk about the unfortunate soul in Fayette County who decided that the it was described as bees. He saw a bee nest. I have a suspicion it was not bees that he saw. They were building a nest under the eaves of his house. And he put a burning stick up there to try to burn the bees out. Bad things happen. We'll deal with that at the 8 o'clock hour this morning. First in line, though, Brad comes to us from Dallas, Georgia, with a question about his fire ants. Hey, Brad, good morning. Good morning. How are you doing? What do you see with these fire ant mounds, Brad? <laughs> well, we went to plant some tomato plants, and where we were going to locate them at, I'm, there was a mound of fire ants, and my daughter's about seven years old. Okay. And I taught her about, you know, putting the amdro on them and watching them, you know, they died. I thought she'd go out there and check them. <laughs> and so she kind of, she was at the age of wanting to keep up on all that stuff. So she, and loves, loved messing with, wanted to dig up yeah. the ant hill and see if she could find the queen. All right. Well, the very next day or so, we noticed all of a sudden it hadn't rained or anything. But the, it looked like the ant hill had eroded. It had holes all in it. Yeah. And she stuck a pitchfork in it and pulled it up and popped out a Easter ringneck snake. Good heavens. And it had evidently got down in there and was eating the ant carcasses that were down in there. And, I mean, it was the biggest Easter ringneck I'd ever seen. It was it was easy, a foot long. Wow. Inches. So, and she was thrilled to have the snake. She played with that thing for a while until I made her turn it loose. Boy, but, I just love her to death. She is a great kid. Oh, well, she's grown now. She's 22 years old. She uh, works in the movie industry and does uh-huh. snake wrangling and uh, wants to be a stunt person. And she is into the boat safety stuff yeah. and uh, drives boats. Uh, unfortunately, when she was about three years old, her mama passed away, so I got to raise her like a boy because I didn't know anything <laughs> else to do with her. So she, she's as tough as any fellow. I can there. imagine. I can imagine she can hold, her, hold herself in any society. She can be just the best. In the, that is terrific, Brad. I mean, yeah, the snake it's story cool just... about the snakes. I just don't know if that's something you see normally or if anybody else sees that, to have them turn it over and... Yeah. You know, and see what's in there because it hadn't rained or anything. And I was just amazed at, and I've noticed that happening several times before. You know, since then, and well, really wondering, you know, what was doing that. That's fascinating. If we had anteaters, like if we had anteaters in Georgia, maybe we'd find we find anteaters they, in there. They kind of slither around. <laughs> Evidently, there's a snake. Evidently, the anteaters. 
Well, Brad, anyway. keep, keep an eye out for me. If you see another mound, then uh, put the bait on it and wait a couple of days and do like your kid did and go pitch yeah, like it, open it up. Let's see if the snakes are in there still. Sure. Be be the I'll, experimental person that she expects you to be. Go ahead and do it. Let me know. Yeah, all right. Will do, sir. All right, Thank man. You. See you soon, Brad. Thanks for calling. Uh-huh. Great, 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 great observation there. And a tough girl who loves her snakes. That's the best way to be. The, I've mentioned before Southeastern Reptile Rescue, the folks down in Griffin who come out and do snake calls and various other shows and pieces like that. They've got two kids, and the kids there are just as non, non-worried about snakes, about the poisonous, venomous snakes, as well as about alligators and everything else. Those kids have really, really got a great life, I think, for their parents taking care of them and teaching them how fun and interesting the snakes and other reptiles can be. Jeff is in Snellville, Georgia, and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Jeff, good morning. Good morning, Walter. Uh, I've learned a lot from you over the years. Sure appreciate what you do. You can tell um, that I learned a lot, too. The guy with the snake in the, in the fire ant man is still going around in my head. Never heard of that in my life. That's interesting. <laughs> Mine may be a little simpler. I, we, we bought a house a year ago, and it had a beautiful weeping willow in the front yard. And uh, this spring, like an orange fungus presented on the back side of the leaves, and uh, it turned, eventually it turned to kind of grayish, uh, white, mm-hmm. brown spots. And all the leaves fell off the tree, and my wife is hmm. quite worried because we love that tree. So um didn't know if there was something there that uh, we could do to save that thing. All the leaves now, fell? Is it every 100% I would say probably about 75% of the leaves fell. And then... Um, now it's started to get some new growth, uh, okay. and I'm looking at the leaves, and I don't see, I see the, the little orange spots starting again, but, um, uh, just, I mean, I've, I just, beside yeah, myself, rust, trying to figure out what to do, yeah. Rust disease is the only thing I can think of that would give you an orange spot on the leaf. Now, that's curious, but I've never really noticed oaks getting rust all that much. Not oaks, it's a weeping willow. Oh, weeping willow tree. Oh, that's right, yeah. it's a weeping willow. I'm going to guess it's about twenty. It's about twenty plus years old, so it's uh, you know it's not a, yeah. a, a a new tree, but um, willows seem to me to be sort of the catch-all tree for all the diseases and things that'll eventually get on. They get cankers and leaf spots and various other problems that cause willows not to have a long life. Basically, if you have a weeping willow last more than fifteen or twenty years, then you're really doing something. So my guess is it's a rust disease, and not having anything to look it up with right now, I'm going to leave it to you. Look up willow leaf rust and see okay. what what the symptoms look like. And if that's yours, then I know what the it is. What's for that? Oh, boy, rusts are tough. Probably you can. I won't say you can cure it, but you can manage it a little bit with one of the common homeowner fungicides, infuse it, pike cells or um, dacanil you can get from the garden centers. Is that something you would spray on? Yeah, it or? spray on the leaves okay. before the rust gets in there. You start it sometime yeah. in late April, early May, before the okay. really the rust can develop. The other the other question I had uh, is that your calendar for your lawn. Yeah. I've got a fescue lawn, and your calendar says that uh, you know optimum time to seed is for for fescue is in October, uh-huh. and then the optimum time to uh, to spread pre emergent is in September. But I can't find any pre emergent that doesn't want you to wait two or three months before yeah. you seed. So I'm just kind of, what do you do? I should ch- I should change that note to say you, you really can't. You can't put a pre-emergent down and seed fescue in the same year um, because the pre-emergent, as you 
figured it out. Pre-emergent keeps the seed from coming up. So how do you overseed then? Yeah, uh, you don't use pre-emergent. You yeah. simply concentrate on having the fescue be the most healthy, fast, vigorous, best-looking fescue in the world, and let it be its own herbicide. But don't gotcha. put pre-emergent down because, of, as you say, the pre-emergent is going to keep the seeds from coming up. <laughs> All right. Well, this is going to be my third try, but uh, I've, I'm, I'm doing better each year. All right. <laughs> that's all we need, a little progress. Every year, a little Thank bit you. further. Thanks for calling, Jeff. Bye-bye. 404 Get you in to take Jeff's place. Gary did that. Hey, Gary. Good morning. Welcome to Lawn and Garden. Good morning. Hi. I have a uh, St. Augustine lawn that's over 50 years old. It's never been defatched, and yeah. I'd like to get some tips on how to do that. Have you actually seen a layer of thatch? Do you know that you have a thatch problem? I have not. Well, I had a guy just uh, two, three weeks ago now sent me pictures of his zoysia, I think it was, lawn, where he had done what he is supposed to do. You take a shovel, stick it down in the ground, and flip up the uh, a plug of dirt, and then look at the edge, the interface between the grass growing on top of the soil underneath. And... He wanted to know if it was time to dethatch, and I said, man, I don't see any thatch. Thatch is an undecomposed layer of clippings and leaves and debris and stuff like that. It's right on the soil surface, and the grass is growing through it to get its roots down into the dirt. Yeah, I'm seeing on, online, I've seen some images of that on YouTube. Yeah. If you don't see a, a layer at least a half an inch thick, you don't need to dethatch the St. Augustine. Well, then what do I do about uh, gray spots? Mm, use a fungicide. Use yeah. use infuse or uh, what's the other stuff? There's another fungicide out there, a controlled gray spot, and it comes out of my mind right now. Whatever it is, anyway, you look online to see what fungicides will control gray spot in Saint Augustine. Okay. Use that. Okay. Thiophanate methyl. That's the stuff. Now, now I've seen, on, uh, seen online also that there's, for home use, there's an electric defatcher power yeah. rake. Uh-huh. You know about those? Nothing. Don't know anything about it. Again, just caution, you don't have to dethatch unless you actually see a layer of thatch. Because dethatching, just as a process, really tears the grass up. You know, it sort of tears the stones out of the ground. So you have to do it in a way that you're going to have enough time after the dethatching for the lawn to get back to growing and rooting back down again. So, so, when's the, so when's the best time to dethatch if I didn't need it? June. June, July. All right. All right. Thank you very much. You ain't, Gary. Thanks for calling. It's 718 at News Talk WSB. Back to more Lawn and Garden after this. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellish weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves, the lawn and garden advice you need. And a quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. Partly cloudy today, 30% chance of thunderstorms. Highs 87 this afternoon. Tomorrow, 30% chance of, th- of rain, thunderstorms perhaps. High of 88 tomorrow. Overnight lows in the very, very low 70s, maybe even 69 degrees. Your full weekend forecast comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Jeb is out and coming, and he believes his zoysia grass is not the right color. Hey, Jeb, good morning. Good morning. How are you? What color is your zoysia? Uh, big parts of it are black. 
Mm. They were brown or uh, very, they were, went yellow to brown to black over the last couple of weeks. Is it the grass itself that is black, or is it some powder stuff on top of the grass that's turned black? Uh, looks like the grass blades, they're completely black. More than likely, it is a, and this may be good news for you, it, more than likely, it is the spores of a decomposing fungus that's underneath the zoysia in the thatch layers we were talking to the guy earlier that is spraying its spores upwards and it's coating the grass. And I say that because... It's been five years now, I guess, that I had a lady near me who had a zoysia lawn, and she was watering it every day. And I thought, that that can't be good. <laughs> she was doing that. And sure enough, by the middle of the summer, there were these great big, wide, brown, black streaks in there. And I thought, for sure, there was some disease. And I sent it off to my university pathologist, and she came back and said, no, what's happening is the zoysia had thatch. And it's throwing spores, the black spores are coming up onto the surface of the, of the uh, grass. So what I want you to do, I think, Jeb, is to go out and look at the grass very closely and see if that is correct. See if you sort of have a la layer of thatch in that area and that the spores can be wiped off, brushed off, can be gotten off of the leaves of the zoysia grass, because I think that's the same situation that the lady had last uh, five years ago. That's my Okay, now, I've been um, bagging um, all the grass clippings, okay. so I don't think there would so be much fat. I, I put the sod down last year, so it's only about a year old mm -hmm. also. Um, so you don't think it could be a, a fungus? I'm not going to be convinced until you go out and do the homework first. Okay. Okay. And if the blades don't... I mean, well, so w would they wash off, or do they just have to... Get mowed off. Like how, generally, how generally they'll wash off. Although some spores are real sticky and they sort of stick to the surfaces and don't want to be washed off by rainfall. And that way you just mow them off then. If you want to go on my website, I think if you type the words Zoysia Black Streaks in, this, in the search line, you'd come to the pictures of the lady Zoysia that I was taking pictures of back then and see if it doesn't mimic sort of what you have. Okay. All right, I'll look, check that out. Look and see. If it doesn't if it doesn't match, call me back and we'll talk further. All right. All right. You. Thanks for calling, Jeff. Talk to you soon. It's 728. Back to more Lawn and Garden after news. It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. It's 7.36 on a Saturday morning. This is Lawn and Garden. I'm Walter Reeves with Georgia Gardener here to help you be more successful. And all you have to do to be more successful, call me up, 404-872-0750. Kim is first in line in Toco Hill. Hey, Kim, good morning. Welcome to Lawn and Garden. Good morning. Thanks Hi. for taking my call. Sure, Kim. Um, I've been looking for a, a narrow tree to put in a in a sort of a tight area, it, it, and, um, and I was thinking about American hornbeam, yep. but then I saw these trees growing around the back of Phipps Plaza, and, and I thought, wow, those are cool, so I got some leaves, and the pie people identified it as slender silhouette uh, sweet, sweet gum. gum. Yeah, sure. And I just wonder if you knew much about them. I've done some reading. I, I got rid of a bunch of big sweet gums on my property a couple of years ago. I mean, just monsters 
And this is says it's a small tree and that it doesn't release a lot of those little balls and that they're small. Do you have any experience with this tree? Uh, there are one, two, three, four, five across the street from the WSB studios that every time I go past that building in the courtyard where they're planted, I think, those are cool trees. People need to plant more of those things. Maybe somebody would learn to love a sweet gum if they knew they could be colonized like these are. I have okay. nothing but positive observations in my part. Yeah. Okay, and there's some more you said growing across from w, across from the front gate there? No, across from, it's on uh, West Peachtree. There's a big office building across West Peachtree from the visitor's gate uh, at WSB, uh -huh. and they're growing in the courtyard. They've been there for easily five or six years. Okay, well, I'll look at those, too. Would that be a good tree? They don't, they don't get very wide. And, I mean, literally, Not for, for listeners who are looking for a tree that is... What do you think? Six feet, Kim? Maybe five feet wide. It is not five a wide six, tree. Uh, not more than six feet. But then feet. 30 feet tall. Yeah. That's exactly what it looks like. Like a whip almost. It's 30 feet tall, five or six feet wide. It's kind of an elegant looking tree, yeah. especially if you do it in a group. And it's a sweet gum, so you know it's native and it's tough and hardy and doesn't have any bugs and things that attack it. And as you pointed out, it doesn't have very many sweet gum balls on it either. The other thing that no one likes about a sweet gum is the, the balls. So I certainly can't tell you any reason why you should not use it. Would you recommend it over a hornbeam, or, or would you say they're about the same? Depends on the height you want. The hornbeam, in my view, gets a little bit, is only about 25 feet tall and it's yeah. about 8 feet wide. So. Size is either height would be person. okay. I just kind of wanted to get something in that space just to just it because um, it's it's I border a neighbor's property and mm -hmm. I don't want it going over on their property yeah. to, to bother them. So okay, well then um, well, I'm going to drive by WSB and look at those too. Check them out. I just think out. it's a cool tree and I don't see it much. And I was like you when the first time I saw it five years ago, I thought. That leaf looks like a sweet gum. What can this be? <laughs> it was like my little puzzlement to figure out what kind of what variety it was. My yeah, memory I, is that it was discovered on an a little pond island, maybe in Louisiana, someplace like that. That the fellow had this out on the pond island, and somebody who knew about trees went out and was looking at it and thought, "Doggone, this is a very slender columnar sweet gum." And so he took cuttings or something and collected those and took them back to propagate and went back to the island to get more and the guy had cut them down he didn't like the sweet gums oh. growing on his, his little pond island so he cut them all down and the only ones we had then were the ones the fellow propagated and that's what you have today wow that's cool well then i um i because i actually the people at pike on roswell road helped me identify it yeah great and uh okay great well then uh that's that's going to be it'll be one of those two trees then because I just think they're it's just really nice elegant look. Yeah, yeah, nice so, tree. All right. Thanks well, for calling, thank you Kim. So much. You bet. Bye. And the tree that we're talking about is slender silhouette, slender silhouette sweet gum. I don't know which nurseries carry it. Don't know if Pike carries it for that matter, but if there's enough demand for it, they will carry it. Slender silhouette sweet gum. Faye is in Monroe, Georgia, and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Faye, good morning. Good, mo good morning, good morning. I wanted to know if I spray the sprouts that are coming up under my favorite blueberry bush, mm -hmm. if it'll kill the whole blueberry bush or just those sprouts that are coming up around it, if I have to keep cutting them down. Is it blueberry sprouts that you're talking about? Yes. Yes. Ooh, yes, it'll kill the whole blueberry uh, bush. Well, I will just keep cutting them down. <laughs> one, of the, one of the things that Roundup is is uh, systemic. In other words, it moves back and forth in the 
vascular system of the plant that it touches. And so that's a good right. thing when you want to kill a, a weed because it moves from the leaves down to the roots, kills most of the whole plant in one spray. But if you're play, spraying part of a blueberry bush that sprouted up near the mother bush, it'll move down through that sprout and up into the other blueberry bush. And oh, there's just bunches coming up yeah. under there, so I'll just have to keep cutting those down then, I guess. I guess so. Okay. The deer have eaten all of my daylilies just down to the ground. Sure. I've heard that deer don't eat daylilies, but they look like oh, they yes, have Oh, yes, they eaten. do. Certainly they do. Okay, because I could see where they had jumped across the fence. Uh, I could see their footprints there. Then you clarified that. How can I keep them away? Well, <laughs> you can be one of a number of people that I have recommended use a product called Repellex, R-E-P-E-L-L-E-X, and I buy it online from Amazon. It's the only place I can find it. But okay. Repellex is a pill that you put into the ground underneath the plant you want to protect, it's soaked up, the, the material in the pill is soaked up and makes the foliage distasteful. Makes it hot like capsaicin from pepper. And I'm told that if you put this in the ground around your daylilies when they're first sprouting out, so the foliage is always protected, that the first deer that comes along and eats it is going to say, whoo, give me a glass of water, come on. And they will generally ignore it for the rest of the season. Try Repellex and see if it works. I will. And then Thank let me so. know. Let me know whether it works or not for you. Okay. Thank okay. you. All right. You bet. Thanks for All calling right. today. Bye. 404 A reminder that you can use those numbers to call this morning. Kelvin is out in Conyers and joins us. Hey, Kelvin. Good morning. Hello, Walter. Good morning. Thanks for taking my call. Yeah, Kelvin. What you got? Yeah, I got some watermelon vines that was beautiful and filled with watermelon. And uh, all of a sudden, I start getting this rustic dots on them. Yeah. Then the leaves will just crumple up, and now most of the foliage is gone. Ooh, that's not good. You still there, Kelvin? Yes, I'm here. Okay, so the question is, what is this, and what causes it, or what do you want to know? Well, you're still breaking up pretty badly, Kelvin. Um, basically, watermelons have the same problems that squash, cucumbers, and all the curcubit family has. And they, when they get really big and get wet a lot, get any number of fungal and bacterial diseases. And so that's what I bet you have is a, one of the fungal diseases that affects watermelon. I can't tell you which one because I'd have to look at the spots and tell you it was anthracnose or cercospora or whichever fungal disease might attack it. Down in South Georgia in Cordillo, where they grow a lot of watermelons down there, they are very particular about the uh, fungicides and how they water the plants, and they water them early in the morning so the leaves don't stay wet all day long. So at this point, I mean, if the vine is all deteriorated by this spot on the leaves, there's not much you can do, Kelvin. You can't do a, much spraying on a plant that's already brown and dying away. And all I can say is next year, be very careful about how you water it. Don't ever water from above. And then it rains. You know, nature's given us water from above just about every day, it seems like. What are you going to do? You could put their fungicide label for use on vegetables and fruits. Consider using that if you want to. And uh, we'll see what happens. But the best you can say is try to prevent it by no overhead watering and consider the use of fungicides. There are, as I say, numbers and numbers of fungal and bacterial diseases that eat up watermelons and cucumbers and the wet conditions we've had this year have certainly been conducive for all of them to get started. Sarah comes to us from Dallas, Georgia. Hi, Sarah. Good morning. 
Good morning, Walter. Uh, this March, this past March, I planted a grouping of Encore azaleas, yeah. and they're doing great, but I think the leaves should be a little darker green. I'm thinking maybe some iron, but I've never mm-hmm. used that. I don't know how to do that. Go check and see, just for my curiosity, Sarah. Look at the leaves and see on the back side of the leaves if there are any little black dots. And the reason I say that is because the insect called azalea lace bug makes azalea leaves look pretty yellow, like they need more iron. Uh-huh. But if you put iron on the plant, it really doesn't help anything to control the lace bug if that is what's causing the leaves to turn yellow. And the good sign of lace bug damage is simply the back of the leaves has lots of little black dots, little shiny black dots, which is where they went to the bathroom when they sucked all the juice out of the leaf. Okay. So I check don't your think tree. That they have that because I was at. Um weeding around them uh, yesterday, mm-hmm. and if they're not yellow, they just, I think maybe they need to be a little bit darker green. Right. If you think that iron is the way to go, then ironite is one common brand name you can find at Pike and any other nursery. Ironite is uh, granules that you scattered on the ground. I think there's a sprayable form I used to see, but I don't see much anymore, but there used to be a sprayable form of ironite you put on your water hose and spray everywhere that you needed iron in the soil, too. Well, is this, is this unusual or usual or what? I had a soil test done before I planted them, and, but I don't think they test for iron in the soil test. No, what they test for is nitrogen level. Uh, right. It was, it was all okay. Okay. But I, I, okay. So just a little tiny bit of the granules around them, is it? It'll tell you on the label on the bag of how much to use per plant. Just follow uh-huh. the label. I can't remember uh-huh. offhand if it's one tablespoon or five tablespoons, so follow the label, whatever it says. That's what you do. Oh, okay. Okay, great. Well, thank you very much. Oh, you're very welcome, Sarah. Thanks for calling. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye. Coming up in the next half hour, we got Stephen and Marietta who wants to know his fig tree is full-size and the figs taste like water. That's not good. Mike and McDonough needs an organic fungicide for tomatoes. And Sherry needs to know a question about deadheading her real low roses. We'll get to them. Maybe you. 404-872-0750. It's 747. We'll be back after this. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellish weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves and the lawn and garden advice you need. And a quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. High today around 87 degrees, 50% chance of rain today. Tomorrow high around 88, 30% chance of rain tomorrow. Overnight lows in the low 70s, 68, 69, or 70 degrees. Your full weekend forecast comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Of course, some people know that you can ask questions via Twitter. And someone wrote in this morning a Twitter question, Ask Walter, hashtag Ask Walter. And Ashley will read it out. We'll see if we can get an answer for this person. Okay, the tweet just came in. A crepe myrtle question. What yeah. is the safest way to get rid of the sprouts or the suckers coming out of the ground at the base of my crepe myrtle? So it's sort of like the lady earlier who had the blueberry sprouts at the base of her plant. And I said, don't spray it with Roundup. That no. will kill the whole plant. Uh, I think two choices. One is just a simple manual method of mowing them down, clipping them off, and let that be the way of controlling them. The other one maybe actually would be to get a product called Sucker Stopper. And Sucker Stopper is a hormone that keeps uh, buds from re-sprouting. And so if she takes a pruner and gets down real close to the sprout, this crepe myrtle sprout in this case, and clip it right close to where it comes out of the uh, root, 
spray that area with a sucker stopper, then hopefully she'd get some control. Usually it'll stop any sprouts from that area, which won't stop sprouts from other parts of the plant, but you can clip and spray, clip and spray all the little sprouts around the plant. I removed a crepe myrtle from our next to our walkway yeah. about five years ago, and I still have suckers coming still, up. Still, still have suckers coming up. It is really crazy how how viable the plant can be. That's, that's my experience, too. That The crepe myrtles are very, very sproutable. They want to come up. They want to be there. Let's see if we can get it back. One more question on the phone. Uh, Stephen and Marietta, let's try to go as quick as we can, Stephen. Hi, how are you doing? Doing great, Walter. I appreciate you taking my call. Sure, Stephen. got the gist of my question. I've had a Celeste fig tree for five or six years. It's amazingly productive. The first great. crop of figs that came in that ripened up were delicious. The figs right now are like splitting on the bottom. Yeah. And you taste one, and it uh, has... has Tastes like it's filled with water. Get out of Dodge. My figs, my neighbor's figs that I eat, are doing pretty good. They're not the fullest flavored figs I guess I've ever had in my life. Um, but they don't taste like water. And I can only theorize with yours that because we've had so much rain that the sugars have not developed fully in the fruit. Because obviously you know this, that plants use sunshine and, and, uh, and nutrients and carbon dioxide, they make carbohydrates, and those carbohydrates hopefully are sugars, and the sugars then go into the fruit, and the fruit, when picked, tastes like a fig, should taste like, not like water. So all I can say is probably not your fault. It's all very much more environmentally caused, I would guess. And uh, what so are you going to do? Maybe because we haven't had much sun and so much rain, it hasn't had an opportunity to, to, to That would fit my out. theory. That would fit my theory right there. Yeah. Will it straighten out if we get more sun? I know I know it's not going to heal the, the bottom of the fig that's right. split. And that's more from just water pressure inside the fig, like it does on tomatoes. When tomatoes split, usually it's because of dry, wet, dry, wet, and they split apart because the skin doesn't grow fast enough. So, yeah, my guess is it's all environmental and that it'll straighten itself out as best nature can. That's the way nature usually does. They'll figure a way to do it and the tree itself though it doesn't sound like it's unhealthy it's just that the figs don't taste so good and you just have to deal with it as the environment demands i guess is all i can say thanks for calling steve we got to get out of here at 758 we'll be back to more lawn and garden after news <laughs> 